Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Church podcast. For more information about Highest Praise Church, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jordan Lancaster. All right, well, good morning. I, uh, I have an opportunity today to bring the word to you. I'm um, on the teaching team here at Highest Praise Church. Um, and um, we are in a series today, we're gonna title today, what winning looks like, what winning looks like. And, um, and there's no, no, no better person in the, in the word of God. Everybody say word. That's right. So if you went to high school in the early 2000s, that means a whole different thing, right? If you went, we know what that means. But today, when we say word, we know that it means the ever true, um, un- uncontested word of God. And um, today, I have an opportunity to, to preach the word to you today. I believe that God has a message for us that's gonna move our hearts. And when we think about a, a, a winning person, David is the one who comes to mind the most. And, you know, he killed a lion and the bear um, in the field. He, he went to Goliath, slingshot, stone, dead, cut his head off, all nine yards. This guy is a champion and a winner beyond everything else. But we're gonna to be today in First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse one. And today I believe the Lord is gonna reveal something to us about David that made him like he was. And uh, I don't know if, if this is your first time here, we're so glad that you're here. But if you, if you, if you can't tell, we're very passionate people, amen? Very passionate church. Where are my church people at, right? We're very passionate, right? Yeah. And so um, David was the same way, and he, he gives us a passage of Scripture. So we're just going to break it down today and see what the Lord has for us. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 says, Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, the church, the crowd, he brought everybody together. He said, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen. And I want to pause for a moment here because I want to talk about just this little part A of the scripture here. Our pastor, he's, they're not here this morning um, because they're, they've been in Asbury, uh, Asbury University at the Revival this week, and they're coming back today. And we know that God is moving, amen. And, um, and one of the things that, that is unmistakable is who God is using for this revival that's happening in the world. And, um, and what David's saying here, he says, hey, I have a son and without a doubt, he's chosen. Not chosen by men, but chosen by God. And, and I, I, want, I want us to know this, that as a church and as what God is doing, he is using a young chosen generation to usher in what he wants to do on the earth today. And, um, and, and we know the enemies after our children, why? Because this is exactly what the, the avenue that God wants to use, a chosen generation, a young people, a people who will have a heart for God. That's why this church, we have, we'll have over, over, over 200 children in this building today. Tomorrow morning, there'll be 400 here coming here for school tomorrow. Why? Because the enemy's after our children. And as long as we're here, we're saying, no, you gotta stop somewhere. You know, like we're gonna be the wall in between what the enemy wants to do and what God wants to do. And so we're gonna be the influence. And so today, when we read in the scripture, he, David says, I have a son who was chosen. He says he's young and inexperienced. In other words, he's immature. Can I get an amen? Like how many immature, young, like he, he's young and immature. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's chosen, but he's got some things to learn, but God's gonna use them. Don't discount the generation, guys. Every church is one generation away from extinction. 
And we better be ready to know that God's going to be doing some great and mighty things. He says he's chosen he's young and inexperienced, and the work is great because the temple is not for man. The temple is for God. You know, when you do things for God, Colossians 3.23, don't do everything as unto man. Do everything as unto God. When you do things as unto God, you kinda, it, it looks different. It requires something different of you. You usually have more of a fire about you, more of a passion about you. Like when I ask my kids to go clean their room, it's like, oh my goodness. What if you, like I've asked them to, you know, I don't know, go clean the toilets. But it's, it's like, but no, like they have, but when they do it themselves, it's like, hey, which happens once in a blue moon, celebrate that parents when that happens. It's rare. But what he's saying to them, he says, look, they're young and inexperienced, but this house is a house not for man, but a house for God. I will say this. I believe too many churches are being built and ran based upon the opinions of man and not the word of God. And that's one thing I love about this place. We're, we're so passionate and we have such a fire and, 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 and because we believe that God is God and there's no one like him. He's uncontested. There's none besides him. He is who he is. And he says, this is a big deal because this house isn't built for man, it's built for God. When we come together in this place, we come together for one reason and one reason only. It's so that the lamb that was slain will receive the reward for his suffering. So that we'd be able to lift up our voices and sing to him. In verse two, he says, now for the house of my God, he said, I have prepared all with all my might. Let me ask, don't raise your hand. But how many people before you got here today, you prepared with all your might? Think about that. David says, before I came into the house of God, for the house of God, I prepared with everything that I have. That's passion. That's passion to say, hey, this is, this is me preparing with everything that I've got and I'm preparing and I'm coming to the house of God ready to give God my everything. And we just sang all that. You can have it all. All my love, all my heart, all my soul, you can have it all. Is it a fragrance you want? Fine, take it. If it's a life laid down, take it. You, you know what I mean? So we have this desire and this passion that we gotta turn to God. We, and David says, I give everything to him. All my desire, everything belongs to Jesus. He says, I prepared with all my might. That's what he says. That's what passionate people do, you ready? He said, I gave gold for gold. Gold for things to be made of gold. Silver for things to be made of silver. Bronze for things of bronze. Iron for iron. Wood for wood. Onyx stones. Stones to be set. Glistening stones of various colors. All kinds of precious stone and marble slabs. In abundance, I gave it to God. You know what passionate people never do? Passionate people never settle. See, David was a man that the Bible says after God's heart. And so when God required gold, he didn't go back and say, let me check my bank account, see what I got. He, when God required, required, in other words, is that God will never require something of you that he hasn't already given you, church. And so when you hear, when you're in a service or you hear a message like this, you're like, man, this is too much. Or like, hey, this is requiring a lot. Well, know this, that the word of God will never require something of you that he hasn't already placed in you or the ability to give. And so God was, was moved by this. And so he says, I gave gold for gold. He didn't settle and say, all right, so something, God, you're requiring gold. Let me see what I, you know, I just got, let me give you this iron. No, no, no. Gold for what required gold. Silver for what required silver. And as people of God, as believers, God brings us to a place where we have to give to him what he requires. And passionate people do that. Um, our pastors, while they were in um, 
at the Asbury Revival, they sent me a picture. And on the outside of the chapel service, where, it was, where the revival is happening, there's a scripture that is on the wall. And if you've, you may have seen this, but this is what it is. It's Hebrews 12 and 4. It says this. It says, follow peace with all men and in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. See, there are things that God requires of us. And we say, hey, God, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to walk. God, leave me. You know, the, the Bible says the righteous steps or what? Ordered by the Lord. You know, God, I want you to be, I want you to be, be the, the, uh, the leader of me. God, I want you to go before me, make every crooked place straight. And God says, look, is that when you consecrate yourself and, and set yourself apart for me is when you begin to see the power of God move in your life. Verse three, let's go to verse three. First Chronicles 29, three. He said, moreover, because I have set my infection on the house of my God. You know what he did there? You know what he did He said, now because I've set my affection, okay? So there's a lot of affection. Everybody in here has affections, have passions, have desires on the inside of you. And you know what, you know what, uh, what, what keeps those passions and desires in the right place? is your decision of where to set them. So before, so before I met my wife, I had, you know, we all have passions and innate desires on the inside of us. We have a desire to, to find love, to be in love. But there was something that happened when I met my wife is that my passions that were just open and rampant, the passions that were moved by emotions, all of a sudden when I met her became devoted and set to one person. And something happened. We got on this stage at this altar, and I said, I do. And then she put a ring on my finger, and I put a ring on her finger. Now, now, and years later, that now my passions and my devotions are set by this ring that I have. That's a constant reminder of where my passions are set. David says here, he says, look, my passions, my my." my, my my desires, they're all set on the house of God. And here's the thing, is that because now my passions are set to her, it doesn't matter where I go. I could go to the ends of the earth and there could be a hundred million different women. But the thing is, is that I am devoted and I am set to her. You got me. And I believe this, I believe too many Christians have passions, but our passions haven't been set in the direction and place that we're supposed to be. As we come in on Sunday morning and we set our passions desire here, but when we go out is that our passions are rampant and we're moved and then something walks by and catches our eye or something moves our heart or we have desires of, of lustful desires that you know what we do then? Our passions aren't set and aren't devoted and so now we are moved in the direction that God hasn't called us to be in. And so, but it's a, it's a, a setting. He said, I have set my affections. Another word for that, affection is passion or devotion. And see, one thing about passion, passion will make you do crazy things. Passion will make you say crazy things. Some of y'all last week, some men, y'all went out and spent way too much money on Valentine's Day because you were passionate. Hey, brother, yes, sir. Yes. And by the lack of response on this side of the room, some of y'all didn't spend enough, but that's okay. <laughs> Hopefully you have a next year, guys, come on. You can do better. No, I'm just But David had a passion for God, and he did, he did some crazy things. If you go back to Psalm 69.9, we see how, what type of man that David, the type of winner, the type of, the type of passion that David has. In the Passion Translation, it says this. He says, my love for you has my heart on fire. This is David. Has my heart on fire. My passion consumes me for your house. And he says, nothing will turn me away. Nothing will turn me away. You know, truly passionate people can't be moved away from where the passion is set. 
They are passionate because they're not moved by you. And here's one thing about passionate people. Passionate people, will all, you will always, know this, you will always encounter people without passion. Because here's what, here's what those people wanna do. Passionless people wanna make you passionless, right? Uncommitted people wanna make you uncommitted, right? And so we have to be in a place where, hey, I'm set. My heart is set. I, my passion is set on God, and nothing, like he says here in Psalm 69, nothing is gonna move me. Nothing is gonna change that about me. You can't say nothing, you can't do nothing because my passion, it's like fire. Jeremiah says it's like fire. Shut up on the inside. I just, there's something about me that my passions are set. And here's the thing, is that when you ha do not have devotion in your life, your passions are slave to your emotions. So when you have, see, we have passions. See, without my passions, without this devotion, without the commitment to my wife, are open to my emotions. That whoever makes me feel good and whoever gives me what I need and whoever gives me attention is where, my, is where I'm drawn towards or where I move towards. But when you're set, come on somebody, you know what I'm talking about. When you're, when you're committed and when you're devoted, it doesn't matter what happens to you. And when you're devoted, that's all it takes. You know, the enemy wants you, wants you taken out, but guess what? He can't have you because you're devoted. The enemy wants to distract you, but you're not distracted. You know why? Because you're devoted and you're set. The enemy wants to take your family, but you know what? Your family's set on God. He wants to steal your marriage, but you can't. Why? Because you're devoted in your marriage. He wants to steal your fire, but he can't. Why? Because it's devoted to God. And it's set. The enemy can't have it. So passionless people, here's what I want you to realize, and you may see this in your life, but passionless people, they hide behind blame and offense so that they have a reason to live a lesser standard than you do. The people are offended by your passion. The people are offended by your, your devo devotion. They're offended by, by how committed you are to God. I want you to know, it, it, passionless people will use that as, a, as, as something to hide behind so they have a reason to live at a lesser standard, with a lesser passion, with a lesser desire. And if that's you, uh, we need some new friends in our life, amen? The most, and I, and I began to read this, and as I began to, to, to study this, there's one thing that I begin to take inventory of my life. I'm like, how do I set my affections? How do, I, how do I set my desires? And here's one thing that I've learned, is that, you know, the, the way you enter a day is the way you left another. And so what I've learned in my life is that every night I set my affection and set my desires on him. Before I go to sleep, no matter, no matter the mess, that the, if I go to sleep with my mess and haven't given it to God, then guess what? I tend to wake up with it and pick it right back up. And so every single day I just set my affections, set my attention, set my gaze, set my heart, set, get in, find a way to get my attention and my gaze back on him. That way when I wake up in the morning, I've already taken care of yesterday and this morning is all about him and what he wants to do in my life. We have to set our affections in, at night and in the morning. We have to learn to set our affections. The most consistent way you encounter God, you say, hey, I wanna encounter God in my life more often. I want my passions to be set. Listen, you have to set your affections on him. In verse three, if we continue in verse three, I wanna continue that scripture. He says this, he said, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for my house. You know, it's, it's passion, passionate people give over and above. 
They don't just give, you know, what's required. They don't just, they give over. David says, hey, I gave gold for gold, silver for silver, bronze for bronze. And then when I got in the presence of God and I gave my life to him, he, I just found out that I had to give him more. Amen. You ever been in a place where God, you're like, God, just, I, I got to give you more. I got to give my life. I, I, I got to spend more time with you. Passionate people find a way to give more to God. I'm not, and listen, this is not a sermon on generosity, but it is a sermon on giving yourself full self to him. God, I want to give my life to you. And then he goes on to say this. He said, I have prepared for the holy house, he says this, my own special treasure of gold and of silver. And so I read that anytime the Bible says something special, I wanna find out more about it. So I begin to look at this word special treasure because this, this spe word special treasure only happens seven times in the Bible. In the Hebrew text, it's, it's mentioned seven times. Six times the word special treasure, it translates into Hebrew to the word segola. The word segola in Hebrew means special or private treasure. And God in the Bible is used seven times in the Bible. Six of those times, it's used by God himself. And he's, he's declaring and explaining how, what his heart towards the children of Israel. He uses to describe them. He calls the children of Israel his segola, his, his, his prize, his treasure, his private treasure. And here's what I want you to realize. How do we know that, that Israel was? We know scripture after scripture after scripture depicting and declaring God's providence with him. But you know, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, they didn't belong to Egypt. Come on, somebody. They, didn't, they, were, they were there, but, they, but while they were there, they were God's special treasure. I, wanted, I want you to know, it doesn't matter what sin you might be in today or what bondage you're in today. I want you to know that God is calling you, calling you his special treasure, and he's got a way of escape for you. And so seven times in the Bible it's used, but six of those times is used by God himself, talking about the children of Israel. And in this instance, David is moved to the point where he says, I've got something so special to me, my Sagola. Every single one of us have segolas. Every single person was, is created. You're sitting in this room and, and you might be here, you might be here out of religiosity. You might, for whatever reason, you might be here because you need, you need God to move in your life. Whatever it might be, you might be here to get a word, but I want you to know that God has placed only inside of you a segola and whether or not you're willing to give it to him Amen. is up to you. And David says, I've got a segola. He said, of gold and silver. He said, and I give it to God, I'm gonna give it to God. You know, some passionate people give to God their treasure. They give to God the gifts that God, you know, what God gives you is his gift to you and what you do with that is your gift back to him. So you have a segola, a private treasure. And so here's the thing, passion without devotion in your life is useless. David showed his devotion by giving his life, giving himself, giving his son, giving his family, giving his treasure to God, and it showed his, his devotion to God. Here's the thing about devotion. Devotion always takes you to godly places. Devotion always takes you to godly places. It takes you to places that you couldn't go without God. It gets you out of mess, can I get a testimony? It gets you out of messes that you can't get out of by yourself. You have to have God. And without devotion, your passions are slave to emotions. They're slave to those emotions. Well, you came to church this morning and you were completely devoted to God, but by this afternoon at 4.30, everybody's acting crazy in the house, you keep your hub, everything's just going haywire, and all of a sudden that devotion is out the window. 
Tomorrow morning you get to work and you just have that customer or that person come in and it just ruins your morning. All of a sudden your devotion to God is out the window. Now all of a sudden you're all flesh again. You know, our devotion to him isn't moved by our emotions. Our devotions are moved to him. Our passions are set because of our devotion to him. Because when you have devotion, your passions are slave to, your, to that devotion. Wherever you set your, uh, your attraction, Sometimes you feel like quitting, but you can't. Why? Because I'm devoted. Come on, somebody. Sometimes I feel like giving in to this, this desires and this sin, but I can't. Why? Because I'm devoted. Sometimes the enemy tries to make me like, my fa- like parts of my family. I can't. Why? Because I'm devoted. Sometimes my coworkers try to draw me in, but I can't. Why? Because I'm devoted to God. Sometimes fear and anxiety tries to rise up in my life, and I try to learn how to operate in fear, but guess what? I don't. Why? Because I'm devoted to God. My passion set on him. My desires are set on him. My, my segola, I've set to him. I've given him. Everything belongs to the Lord. I feel like quitting, but I can't because I've given myself to him. Listen, there's, a, there's something that's true about every person in this room is that you will always have a battle between two passions in your life. There's always a battle. And here's what they are. The passions of maybe one that you find in Jesus and that one you don't deserve and you didn't earn, Right? No one in here earned the love of Jesus. You didn't earn the grace of God, right? It's undeserved forgiveness. You didn't earn, unearned. It was a gift. Salvation is a gift. That's not something, and every single one of us have to make a decision in our life about our segola, about our soul, about our salvation is, hey, am I going to, A, one, leave, live my life according to my own desires and my own will and my own emotions, or am I going to devote my passions and my segola, everything I've got to Jesus? Because everybody has two passions in their life and depend on which one we choose and what we choose to do with God. And that's one thing I love about what's happening in Asbury is there seems to be a, a, a setting and attraction, a, a devotion to the things of God like we haven't seen in a while. Because why? Because people are taking their sergola, their time, their, 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 their generosity, they're taking their passions and all of a sudden everything that used to rule their life is now subject to their devotion to God. No more driven by emotions. And there's a time where in David's life where he let his treasure and he let the world know where his devotion lied. I think it's about time the world found out where the church's devotion lies, amen? Like where does our desire lie? Where's our, where's our passions? Where's it set to? And th- we have an opportunity and, and we gotta assign our devotion to God, assign it to God. And here's one thing is that when you don't do that, it's, it's actually, I didn't talk about this first, but when you don't set your uh, uh, passions and your attractions, that you're pretty much saying that God, what you have for me is not good enough for me. And here's the thing about that, we call that pride. And pride will kick you out of places you're supposed to live in. Pride will tell you, what did, what did pride do to the devil? Kicked him out of heaven, right? Got him out of there really quick. And so pride, so you wanna make sure you yield to that and you do that. David's passion and desires was set and devoted to God. In verse six, I wanna go to verse six. In the first part of verse six, he says, says this, it says, then the leaders of the father's houses. Now, when you read that, the leaders of the father's houses, that, are, that is the fathers of the families, okay? In verse six, he says, then the fathers of the families. He says, um, 
the captains of thousands and the hundreds and the ones who worked with the officers over the king, and they gave everything willingly. You wanna, fathers, you wanna see something change in your life? Give everything willingly to God. You wanna see a move of God in your life? Give everything willingly to God. And you go down to verse nine. Verse nine says, then the people rejoice, for they have offered, given, given to God. There's one thing, listen, there's one thing about passion, devotion. It, it begins to bring you to a place with, that you were doing something out of obligation. You begin to serve God, worship him, praise him, seek his face, not out of obligation, but out of desire. See, the Bible says that they begin to give willingly, not because they had to, not because they were made to, not because they were drug out of bed, but because they gave willingly to God. When you, listen, it, does, it, does it begin as an obligation? Does it begin as a, as a willingly thing? Not all the time. Sometimes you just have to make yourself do some things. And all of a sudden, once you get to that place, it, it, you move out of a place of obligation and it becomes a place of passion and willingness towards God becomes willingness towards God. And so it goes on to say that then the people rejoiced for they had offered willingly because with a loyal heart, they all had offered willingly to the Lord and King David also rejoiced greatly. He rejoiced on what God had done. When I was thinking about this devotion, I was thinking about this passion and I was thinking about what God was saying here. I remembered a passage of scripture is Matthew chapter two, or excuse me, chapter 21. And in Matthew chapter 21, there's a story. And I, listen, y'all, I was in church before I was born. Like in my mama's belly, I was on like the second row on the left side of the, of the sanctuary. I remember. I remember that. And I, I mean, I was in church and I've heard this, this scripture preached and I never really found an application. Like, like obviously it's a good word and it preaches really good. And, and I've heard some of the greatest, but there was something about when I was reading this scripture this week that really, really hit me. That really, really brought me home because it's the story of this. I wanna read, read uh, verse two. It says, Jesus says this. He says, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her, and untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, says that the Lord has needed them. And I'm reading this scripture and I'm like, okay, God, like obviously you, you had a colt that was tied up or, or a donkey that was tied up and then you had needed them, so you brought them and, and you, oh, great story, that's awesome, God had need. But then I began to reflect on what the Lord had done in my life. And I began to thank God for there was times where, I, where I, can, I can say that maybe there was times in my life where I didn't experience something that everybody else experienced because God had me tied up. Amen. Come on, I mean, anybody had that testimony? Where maybe you even tried to do something you weren't supposed to do and all of a sudden it didn't work out because you're tied up? Like, like somebody has prayed a prayer, the sermon hits you that hard where all of a sudden you're now tied to that thing. I mean, when I begin to think of this scripture, I begin to thank God that he tied up my life. And see, see I, I had, I've had people in my life that when they were tied up, that I, when I was tied up, uh, to me it looked like that I was missing out, but what I really know is that God was keeping me for a purpose. He, was, he wasn't just keeping me from something, he was keeping me for something. And I made a conscious decision that I was gonna be tied up. So we look at tied up, and man, that's, Poor Colt been tied up. No, 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 no. 
I thank God when I look at the friends I went to high school with, I got friends who call me and say, hey, I'm going to rehab for the third time. And I pray with them and I believe with them and believe that God's going to set them free. And I get off the phone and I say, thank you, God, for tying me up. I see people going through divorce and having, having tough, tough situations and tough times. And I'll go to home with my wife and I'm like, thank you, God, for tying my marriage up. Why? Where? When you say, yes, God, I'm devoted to you. And yes, God, I set my affections on you. And yes, my passions are geared towards you. You know what you're doing? You're tying yourself up to God. I'm tying my passions and I'm tying my devotions. I'm setting what God has for me and my family. And you know what? Is that when, 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 when tr- things come and, and there can be storms and there could be people, there ain't no doubt that other people try to sit on that donkey, but they couldn't go anywhere. Why? Because he was tied up. And the enemy will try to set himself on you and lead you astray. But if you're tied up, the enemy can't do anything with you. I'm thankful for that in my life. Listen, what does setting your devotion look like? Did I not mess up sometimes? Absolutely, 100%. No perfect people in here, I promise you that. But here's the thing, I want you to know this, that when I set my devotions, I tied myself to Jesus, I'm thankful that I didn't the enemy to come and I say, you know what, yeah, I'm cutting my rope and I'm walking. I'm doing my own thing, finding my own way, following my own desires, finding my own passions, and I'm gonna move in this direction. I'm gonna buy in, and I'm gonna give in, and I'm gonna sell it to this thing. Uh, you know, and I untied myself in the Lord, but I want you to know today, true devotion to God means you're tied up. Means that you're, listen, I want somebody to know in here is that it, it, it's, not, it's not hard, it's just a dedication, come on. Sometimes it does get lonely. Sometimes it is difficult. Sometimes you see whatever I was doing, but in the end, I want you to know this, that God has tied you up. Come on, when you pray at night over your children, pray, God, I pray that you tie them up. God, I pray that you tie them up. The Bible said that he was tied up and he was so tied up and had been there for so long. See, here's what God did. God, Jesus actually told the disciples, he said, look, I'm gonna send you there. But you know what he did? He predicted the opposition. Because what did he say next? He said, when they ask you, what are you doing with this cult? I want you to tell them, you should get them for me. See, here, here's a sign. That when you set your affections and you and you live a pa- uh, uh, your passion is devoted to God, you can say this. I want you to know this is that you can expect opposition in your life. You can expect enemies say, "Oh no 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 no, this ain't gonna happen." You expect people in your life to say, "What is what? What's wrong with you? Why do you why are you all of a sudden? Why you can't hang out with us? You can't talk like us? You can't go? Why do you go to that church? Why do you why do you listen to that music? Why is it that you do what you do? And all of a sudden, you know why? Because I'm tied to him. I can't do anything else. I can't say anything else. I've tried. Passion. My passions are tied. Like, and sometimes we do, sometimes we try. We might drift off and all of a sudden we're coming back because we're tied to God. In my neighborhood, y'all, I, y'all go to church here, so my, and my neighbors do. But in my neighborhood, when you drive in, there's a dog, German Shepherd. He's not, he don't have a leash, but there's an underground fence. And that dude will take off running. And he hits that fence and he stops. I'm like, thank God that thing's tied up somewhere. 
<laughs> the barrier. But that's why it is with God. When I'm tied up and I start to do something, start to cross streets I shouldn't cross and, and go in the traffic that I shouldn't go in. You know what God does when you're tied up? He pulls you back. You better pray your children are tied up. You better pray your marriage is tied up. You better pray your church is tied up. That's what I love about this house and this place. We're tied to the word of God. Everybody else can act crazy and believe what they want to believe, but this house is the house of the word. Tied to the word of God. I may be tied up, but at least I'm his. I'm devoted. And the Bible says that he was tied up and he sent for them. And the Bible says that Jesus brought him in, brought the donkey in. And the Bible says that he sat on the donkey and then came into Jerusalem, the triumphant entry. And here's one thing that I want you to know is that we just sing song, you know, rest on us. You have it all, you know, God, we, is it a fragrance you want? Take it. Is the life laid down? Take it. My vows? Take it. Whatever you want, God, just take it. But here's the thing, is that God will rest on those who are tied to him. God will sit on those who are tied to him. Hey, what is that? How do I, how do I get to a life that's laid down, that's, that God, God rests on us, come fire and win, do it again. But how do I do that? You better be tied up. Because God rests on those who have tied themselves to him. The Bible says that, the Bible says that the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. He sits down. The Bible says that he sat on the sphere of the earth and, and he separated the permanence. The Bible says that he sat down on the Mount of Olives and been, began to prophesy and declare what was to come. Because there's something about when God sits down, he always does something powerful. He sat down on the colt, on the donkey, and he did this triumphant entry to the point where it moved the hearts of people to go cut palm branches and come lay down their coast and say, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. Here comes the king. So he, when he sits down, big things happen. He sits on those who are tied to him. What is our devotion to him? God, my passion, do I have passions? Absolutely set it on him. Yeah, but my emotions are, like things are going, people are offending me. Things are being, just set your passions, set your desires, set your devotions and keep your eyes on him. Yeah, but my whole world is falling apart. Yeah, set your passions on him. Set your desires. Tie yourself to him. Something always happens. The Bible says in Acts chapter two that on the day of Pentecost, he rested, he sat on them. And that all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came like tongues of fire and rested on them. What happens to those who are tied to him? They experience something absolutely phenomenal that can only be found in being devoted and tied to God. When he sits down, great things happen. Big things happen. God moves in ways that we don't even understand because when we rest in him, when we're tied to him, we're devoted to him. Everybody stand with me. There's a, I wanna go to Psalm 114. I'm gonna break, down, break this down. I wish I had time to do the whole, the whole first eight verses, but I wanna do this. I think that's the whole chapter. But I wanna, I wanna go to Psalm 114 verse one. 
This is, we just talked about it a little bit. This is, David's speaking of the children of Israel. And he says this, he says, when Israel went out of Egypt. Now remember, this is translated into English. So when you go back and kind of read this went out from Egypt, the, the depiction and the vocabulary that is used is not like a sneaking out in midnight like you used to do out of your bedroom window when you were a teenager. No, this isn't like, this is a, this is a, they went out with their head held high, their shoulders back, and with confidence, they left their place of captivity. They left their place of captivity. They went out, they didn't sneak out at night under the cover of darkness. They didn't, they didn't wait till, check, make sure the coast is clear. The Bible says that they went out with confidence, being led by God, being led by Moses, and they knew that they were being sent out by God himself. And I want everybody in this room to know that it doesn't matter how long you've been in captivity or what things are happening, that you can leave what God, what the captivity you've been in, the sin you've been in, the stronghold the enemy might have had on your mind, you can leave that knowing that if God be for me, who can be against me? You know that. Hallelujah. The Bible says that when Egypt, when the Israelites went out of Egypt, this is what it says. It says the house of Jacob from every people, they left the place of strange language. Strange language. So when I, again, don't just read the Bible. You gotta actually, you gotta figure out what's happening. So I went back and I'm like, all right, what is, what does that strange language mean? Like, sounds a little different. So I went back and looked up what strange language meant. Basically, it meant a language that they did not know. They left a land and a people of strange language. But here's the problem that, or here's what I found out, is putting all the pieces together, the Israelites had been in captivity under the Egyptians for hundreds of years. And they were being let out confidently out of the land of people with strange language. And here's what the Israelites did. They were there for generations. There was people that was born, born there and died there. There was, there was grandfathers and grandmothers and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. They were all there. But here's what the Israelites chose to do is they refused to learn the language of their captors. They were so devoted to God that their, that, that their environment did not change who they were to God. And they made a decision that even though I have to live here this time, even though I have to experience this, even though I have to go through this, this will not define who I am. So for hundreds of years, they refused to learn the language of the Egyptians because it wasn't for them. They knew that God had done something for them. They knew that they were the Sagola, the treasure of God. They knew that there was a greater purpose that God had a promised land and God had promises. So you know what they had to do? Every single day for hundreds of years, they get in their home and they bring their children around. Say, hey guys, I want you to know something. When we go out these doors, there are people speaking a strange language, but I want you to know this, it ain't for us. You're gonna hear things, see things, people are gonna try to influence you, but I want you to know, we're gonna keep it strange. We're gonna keep it strange. They had to go to work, maybe go to the workplace, and why, why the Egyptians and everybody around is trying to get them infiltrated into Egyptian culture. You know what they had to do? No, 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 I'm not of this, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm gonna keep this stuff strange. I'm gonna keep it strange. 
That'll keep, that'll, that'll look at each other, husband and wife, and say, you know what? There are things out there that are that other people have allowed that have made it from strange to common. But you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna keep things strange. I think there's too many churches that have made strange things common in their side of their walls. Too many Christians who have brought the, the strange culture of the world into their lives to where it's no longer strange, it's not common. But God wants us to know today that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And it takes some intentionality of saying, God, I'm gonna keep it strange. I'll keep it strange for my children. I'm gonna keep it strange for my marriage. I'm gonna keep it strange for my, my generations to come. I'm gonna keep it strange, why? Because I don't belong to that thing out there. I belong to Jesus. I'm devoted, I'm tied up, I'm passionate. Emotions don't have control of me. I belong to Jesus. Passionate people keep it strange. Passionate people aren't moved. Passionate, devoted people aren't moved. They're intentional. It's like, God, this is, I know that you have a plan for my life. I know that you have promise for my life. And everybody else might be okay, but for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. As for me, we're gonna be devoted. As for this church, we're gonna stand on the word. As for this church, we're gonna be passionate. We're not quieting down. We're not slowing down. We're not, listen, God has a plan. And we're devoted, devoted to it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. don't know Jesus, all you have to do is ask him into your heart today. If you don't, listen, you might be a believer in here today and you don't say, you know what? I have allowed what was strange at one time in my life to become common. As a matter of fact, I'm speaking the same language as the world. I'm thinking the same thoughts of the world. Come on, somebody. You know, right here, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you convict our hearts, Father. You might be even thinking this. You might have the same mind of the world, the same vocabulary as the world. Your heart might desire what the world wants you to have. But today, we're drawing a line in the sand. We're saying, hey, I'm tied up. I'm devoted. I belong to Jesus. There is no turning back. There is, no, there is nothing that can catch my attention. Today is the day. And if you don't know Jesus... The Bible says if you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive. His love is extravagant. And for our minds, it's hard for us to communicate or comprehend his love, but the only way that you can know his love is by experiencing his love. How do you have experiences? By setting your affection on him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today, say, hey, I need Jesus in my heart. I need Jesus in my life. I want to be tied to him. I want to be devoted to him. If that's you today, I want you to lift your hand and say, today is the day. Today is the day when all things are passed away and all things become new. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You can drop those hands. I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your devotion to me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for my sins. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and live there forever as you show me how. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Now listen, you might be a believer in this place. And I'll be honest with you, I came in here today hoping to do what Psalm 6, David says in Psalm 69. It says there's a fire on the inside of me. 
a passion that is set on God. Because God, listen, God will never require something of you that he hasn't placed inside of you, Christian. Never. And so you say, man, this message is a lot and it's tough and it's heavy and you, you know, I gotta go here in a minute, right? But listen, here's what I want you to know is that this message today, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I avoided this message yesterday. I was just like, hey, I gotta get away. Play with my kids, cooked on the grill, like did all, worked in the yard. Like I'm just gonna, I wanna entertain my, because I knew, listen, cause there's always, Jesus predicted it with the cult. Anytime you deliver a message like this or receive a message like this, there's always opposition. And today, believers, you gotta know, say, hey, I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna say, hey, my life belongs to him. My heart belongs, like everything. I'm gonna set my passions and my devotions and my desires on him so that emotions don't control me anymore. The enemy can't direct me anymore. This all belongs to Jesus. And the only way that happens today, just like the children of Israel, they kept strange things strange. They had to make an intentional decision that today, we're gonna keep it strange. Today belongs to Jesus. My life, my heart, everything that I am. And if that's you today, I want you to know that this place, this altar is open. I want to go into worship here in a second. And I want, listen, I want us to sing like we're devoted. I want, I want a, a different sound to come out of you today. Now that you have, you have set your affection on Jesus. Let's worship. Here I get my is in a song I sing. And here's every melody. Just tell me what moves you. Tell me what moves you And is it a fragrance Oh church right here Then I'll pour my oil out Is it a life laid down God if it's gold you want today God I give you Here I give my vows Is it a song I sing Then here's every melody Just tell me what moves you Just tell me what moves you and is it a fragrance? Then I'll pour my oil out. Is it a life laid down? Then here I give my vows. Is it a song I sing? Then here's every melody. Just tell me what moves you. Just tell me what moves you. And is it a fragrance? says that he wishes above all things that you prosper and be in good health today. And whatever your need is, whatever you need in this place, well, listen, we have prayer workers up here that want to agree with you and believe with you. If you say, hey, I'm battling something, I'm dealing with something, my emotions are controlling me, 
I want you to know these altars are open. This prayer team is, is available. But don't leave here the same way you walk through these doors today. Allow God to do a work on the inside of you today. Let me bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just speak a life-giving word over your people, God. God, may we set our affections, set our devotions on you, Father. God, may we, may we keep strange things strange. And God, I pray that you forever keep us tied to you, Father, so that the world can never have its way in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I pray that you bless your people today. God, I pray that you meet every need. And God, I pray that above all else, they be in good health and they prosper. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Put your hands together. Hey, we're so thankful that you're here. We love you. We hope you enjoyed this message from our weekend experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate through our website, highestpraisechurch.com. And if you would like to stay up to date with all that God is doing here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at highest.praisechurch and like us on Facebook at Highest Praise Church. We can't wait to see you soon.